Football Social Daily Premier League Update. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily. We're the only Premier League podcast that gives you all the latest news, transfer, gossip, and talking points from across the Premier League every single day even when there's no Premier League action happening. Uh, But there's lots of exciting things happening. Obviously, it's an international break, uh, so we're going to be talking about the exciting players that have been called up, the Women's Super League, some big news there, and also the FIFA Pro list. Uh, I'm Ant McGinley, and joining me on the show today, we have Will Brazier. Good morning. Pete Hall. Morning. And Dom Dietrich. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, I see Dom gave the correct answer because people might be listening in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Shouldn't time stuff yeah, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We should have. I an just option. followed your lead. Though, yeah. like. Sorry, mate. We should have an option. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if only there's the way they could go and right. press this button now if you'd like to hear them say good evening. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with the internationals. Really, I think that's the best place for us to start. Two games for most teams in this break in the European qualifiers, and uh, as it stands, uh, Belgium, Hungary, Ireland, Northern Ireland, and Germany. And England all looking very well. And let's start with England because Gareth Southgate's picked some very interesting names uh, for his squad. He's also left some people behind. Let's start with the people he's picked out. Some exciting names in there. But is he going to continue the way he's been and is he going to play them? Dom? I, for one, really do hope so. I think we've got possibly one of the most exciting England teams I've seen in, in quite a while. I might be being a little bit biased because I am a, a huge Derby County fan and Mason Mount was on loan at us last season. He's coming into the squad now and I think the way him and the likes of James Madison, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Tyron Mings have all stepped up to the plate this season so far is is magnificent and I, I can see a lot of assists in our future with those four. I think when you look at um, Madison, he uh, was the highest chance creator in the Premier League last season. He was the first English player to create more than 100 chances in a season since Leighton Baines in 2012-13. So he's really exciting coming into the fold. And I distinctly remember Ross Barkley's performance in the Nations League match against Holland where we were getting the ball on the back four, we're knocking it into midfield and he just wasn't showing any positivity. He was just getting the touch, passing it sideways, passing it back to the back four. And I think we stick Declan Rice in the middle of that midfield. We put Mason Mount and James Madison either side of him. I think we've got a very exciting team going forward. I think we're going to make a lot of chances and I think Harry Kane's going to have a very fun evening. Well, that's exciting to have all those players, but is Southgate likely to play all of them? Is he going to play any of them or are they just going to make cameos? Because it is a competitive game at the end of the day. These these players are with the right coach uh, because Gareth Southgate has, has made, a, made a point of picking young players throughout his England tenure so far. And it's part of it's part of this... Um, push that the FA have done where they've focused on youth and we've seen under under 18s, under 19s, under 20s, world champions um, and that progression has come with Southgate and Southgate came up through this through this St George's, uh, St. George's Park sort of revolution almost and um, he's, from the start he's played young players and he'll carry on doing and now he's got actually, he's actually spoiled for choice with all these yeah. with all these, all these young players that Don was talking about and it is it is quite exciting and it's very hard not to get carried away with all these very, very talented players that there is. And even defensively, there's plenty of options as well. There's plenty of options up front. Jordan Pickford's an excellent goalkeeper. Below that, you know, maybe not so much. But um, yeah, squad-wise, fully, I, I, it's, it's something to be very excited about. Is what's happening here just the excitement that we usually get round about tournament time just shifted well, we, slightly earlier? No, we've done it in a tournament now, haven't we? we well, I that's mean, what I mean. <laughs> so, so, yeah, well, I mean... 
football came home, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's this is it's also it's, it's a very this, at the moment as these qualifiers it's a very hard so it's a very hard barometer of quality because it's a very 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 easy draw um, that England have got. Um, so when when they're playing the likes of Bulgaria and Kosovo, if you don't win by three or four nil minimum, then people are looking around going, "Oh, what's the problem?" So it, and. And there isn't one. It's just these games are very hard when there's the pressure on you to 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 really win comprehensively. So, yeah, it's it's very hard. But yeah, I, I after after doing it at a tournament, you can't not get carried away. I think what you what you're saying about are they going to actually play them? I think Southgate's given a bit of a uh, a selection of intent as well. I think he's he's dropped Carl Walker from the squad, but yep. he's not said he's out of his plans. He's li- he's bringing in Trent Alexander-Arnold because he wants to see Trent play. And I think what you mentioned there about the the teams are actually coming up against Bulgaria and Kosovo they are two teams that you can afford to maybe risk a couple of players coming in for the first time yeah. and i think and i think dropping Carl Walker did show Southgate's attitude coming into these two games to give some people a chance that he hasn't actually seen before so i i think we will see quite a few new faces are we just being a little bit cocky here will because it's not so long ago that we were going into games i mean i can certainly remember against the likes of San Marino going, yeah, we're going to do him 7-0 and then going down 1-0 after about 10 minutes. Well, I think I was a bit naive. I mean, even looking at the group table, I think Kosovo had a, had a good start to their qualification process. <laughs> I mean, the two games are at home, so obviously we um, look to get the full six points and get the goal difference up there. But, yeah, I mean, if you were looking at... I mean, the team talks sort of right themselves, if you're a Bulgarian, that like we're resting players like Kyle Walker that have... Um, would be a, a starter, but because we're playing Bulgaria, I'm, I'm not sure I could a, write a team talk in Bulgarian. So give it a good go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I really want to see James Madison play. Really want to see him at the ground running, especially with Deli Ali out. I think he can lead that sort of midfield three. But I don't know when you thrown further down the line. If we do get to Euro 2020, which obviously with the final being at Wembley and semi final, you'd hope we'd get to those stages. But the midfield is the the real worry for me. I think because. Jordan Henderson, Champions League winner, captain of Liverpool. I think he, he's a definite starter and, and Deli Alley in there as well. But I think when you compare it to the likes of France and Spain, it is, it is quite light, but exciting everywhere else. But surely, like, you know, in terms of where England sit in the group right now, so uh, two games in, uh, six points. Czech Republic have got six as well after three games. So there is a little bit of breathing room. Um you know, is there the option to sort of play around a bit and mix it up so that when we come into the tournament, uh, we've got a better idea? Because remember, a lot of these players will be coming together for the first time. You know, mm-hmm. they, 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 they don't, they've only got five days, thankfully, because it's a home game, a home fixture. Um, even those that played on the Sunday last week will have had a good five days to work together to bond, uh, t- to build up. But still, it's a short amount of time. I think I think with that, though, uh, the majority of the players that are making their first caps or first appearances in the squad have been part of this England setup. Uh, like mm. 10 years ago when people are coming, oh God, I don't even know where they used to train, but obviously now, for instance, at George's Park, it's regimented from under 16s to under 21s. A lot of them have come up together as well. So I think when they're coming into that squad, it's not so much of a of a plunge it's uh, more of a, a get together and a carrying on of the process and Southgate Southgate like he he identifies these players a couple of years in advance and he like for example he's been very keen on having De- Declan Rice in the next if, if everything goes to plan he will be England's defensive midfielder and he Southgate identified Declan Rice a few years ago as that man that he wants to anchor his midfield and yeah I think Will's right at the moment if England are light anywhere I think it is in midfield but Southgate has this plan of 
all right, he's not been in yet, but if you give Declan Rice four or five games, then he can make that his own, that position. Well, that's what he did with Mason Mount last season as well. When Mason Mount was at Derby, he selected him, got him into the squad and integrated him and yeah. brought him into that setup. And it's like, so I think he's he does have a plan for these players that, that are coming through. It's not just, right, he's playing, we'll get him in. I'm feeling a lot of love in the room for Southgate. And I think it's fair to say mm. we're all fans of him. Yeah. But at the same time, he's still not won anything. He's still not he, nope. he's still not delivered and you know it's not an easy thing to deliver that. So the question is are we going to be happy if we have you know a couple of tournaments in the row we have semi-finals. Uh, the, the he had the perfect storm last summer didn't he because the expectations were probably the lowest definitely in my lifetime going into a major tournament. Definitely over-delivered. Classic English mentality. We expect the world now like I said earlier semi-final mm. and finals on our home territory. So he's definitely going into, I wouldn't say a losing battle, because I really do believe we could get to the semis in the final. I think people bringing up the UEFA Nations from last season, I think that was an absolute complete write-off, to be honest, because the Champions League final was bad enough with the quality in that because players had had three weeks off. And then we had to watch that rubbish, for, which was four weeks after the summer break. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm bad enough after one week off the fitness. Those players were nowhere near it. So, yeah, I, I, I think we can win it. There we go. <laughs> we're, we're still like a, a little way away from that, but I, I like the optimism. So, Will, you said you really want to see Madison in there. Yeah. Um, I think you were pretty keen on seeing Mason Mount in yes. there. Um, Pete, who, who would you like to see most of all uh, getting the opportunity today? I'm really, I'm really looking, I'm really looking forward to seeing Declan Rice as that. I'm a big, big fan of him, and I'm a Man United fan, and I, I really wanted United to sign him. I can't believe that they didn't go in for a player that. Someone you need as well. Yeah, I, I, United way. haven't got any 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 centre midfielders. They let they let their best defensive midfielder go. Um, there's a young English defensive midfielder at, at West Ham. Um, who you, you would think if you know you, you give a, a a big fee for we could, you could get him in and didn't even and didn't even bother didn't even bother inquiring for him. But uh, in terms of uh, I'll calm down on that front. But getting back to <laughs> getting back to England is. Um, He's he's an absolutely superb footballer, and I think he can be absolutely perfect in England system. And he's he, nothing has phased him so far, and I don't think the international stage will phase him either. Well, I dare say, like with uh, Harry Maguire, if Declan Rice has a good run of international games, his mm. value is going to go up yeah. a lot as well. Well, it's typical United that just wait till it, it, until they add thirty million pound onto his price tag and then buy him. Just looking the other way, um, you, you pointed out, Dom, that um, Carl Walker hasn't been selected and uh, Pep Guardiola came out and he was surprised at that. But uh, Gareth Southgate said, you know, he's still in his plans. Is that actually going to be of a benefit for Man City, actually? Because you think about it, we're, we're four games into the, the Premier League season and despite the transfers, the, the little bit of business that City have done, uh, Carl Walker still being uh, the first choice. He's got effectively a two-week break now. You know, he might still be on holiday or traveling or whatever, but he might just be sat at home playing PlayStation. We don't know. Um, and similarly, David Silva, he's uh, he retired from international duty, so he's not had that journey, that stress with that. Could these kind of absences from the international games this early in the season have an effect on what happens? Well, I think when, when you say Pep came out and said he was surprised, I bet at the same time he, he was quite pleased because, he like you say, his players do get now two weeks to rest up and go again. I guess playing in Pep's philosophy requires more than most as well. And then you look at players like Jamie Vardy who've just come back into form, retired from international football. They're going to flourish. He's going to flourish because of this little two-week break. He doesn't have that stress of going away with England and having to, to perform on that level as well. So, I mean, it'll, it'll do these players a, 
that aren't going a world of good, I suppose. Mm. But but it's natural. They're, they're coming to that point in their career, the David Silvers, the Vardys. It's natural that they are going to take a step back as that's just what happens to your body. But Carl Walker, I don't think he'll be happy. He'll be sat there disappointed and he'll want to be with the England squad. It's it's come at like a... I always think... Every, it always like comes at the same time, this this international break in the season. And it, it always comes... It, I think the season properly starts after this international break because... You, if you get into it in these first few games, then bang, you've got two weeks off. Mm. And I think I think it can work in the opposite effect as well in, to what Don was saying, the fact that players can get into it, get into the stride. Like Jamie Vardy started, he scored a brilliant goal uh, at the weekend, and then bang, two weeks off. He'll be like, he'll be he'll be sat, mm. he'll be sat at home itching. But then I wonder what the case would be if he did go to England and sat on the bench for the majority of the games mm. as well. That might not do his confidence the world of good so I guess no. I guess there's, there's loads of ways I guess yeah. he can look at it but something I've noticed just seem whether it's because of the energy around Gareth Southgate is we don't seem to get as many withdrawals from the England squad as we used to no it almost seemed to be that as soon as the squad was announced you get four United yeah. players would pull out and yeah. then a couple of Liverpool players, and just that would the, the way you also go. you also haven't got Fergie on the phone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so screaming we, down the phone we, we have had one United player with back pain pull out though yeah. do, do you think that that's a phantom pain. Do you, I mean, I don't want to cast aspersions on Basaka, but no, I don't think I don't think it is. It's, it's, it's certainly not a, Ferg, a Fergie instructed injury. This one, he's he's very keen to play as much as possible, and uh, the way he throws himself into tackles, um, you, you can see him. You can see him getting injured quite a lot this season. Uh, no, it's, it's it's hopefully it's not too big. A, it's not too long a delay because um, he's he's been excellent so far. We're going to leave the international break there for now. But we might do a little bit more on it. And when we come back after this break, we're going to talk about the FIFA Pro list and some big numbers in the WSL. Football Social Daily Premier League updates. It's the Football Social Daily, and this week the FIFA Pro list was released. All 200 pages of it. Uh, well, I was going to ask you if there's anybody you feel had missed out on it. But yeah. then again, I've got the list in front of me, and it seems to be like. You know, like when you hit reply all to an email? Yes. It's like there's 55 players on that. Now, to be fair, it is a World Eleven. Yeah. Um, so this is the shortlist, and they'll they'll break it down. Uh, a lot of Premier League players on there. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think for me, like we said, there's 55 on there, so it's probably not a case of um, who's missed out, but who shouldn't be included. And I think going through it in order, looking at the goalkeepers, David De Gea for me last season, I mean, had a wretched last three months of the season. They didn't do anything in the league. Spain didn't do anything nationally. So for me, a direct replacement would have been Hugo Lloris taking his team to the Champions League final. Fantastic third place finish in the Premier League and uh, a a true leader for France as well. So that's what screams out for me so far. Uh, One player we've got to give special mention to is Virgil van Dijk, who got Defender of the Year and then Player of the Year as Mm. well. Um, Can this guy do any wrong? No, not at the moment. It's nice. It was nice to see a defender win it, isn't it? And it was. It was sort of. It was quite funny that seeing him sat next to uh, Messi and Ronaldo, um, and he was just. He just kind of. Felt, you know, he just won a ticket to sit next to them, hadn't he? And, you know, it, 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 <laughs> like meet it, your hero. Yeah, he'd won a competition, <laughs> and he was like when they did. Uh, they did the interview um, just before they announced the award, and um, the interview asked. Um, Ronaldo, loads of questions. Messi, loads of questions. And Virgil van Dijk had to sort of lean forward and go, sort of, I'm here as well, you know, kind of thing. You know, thinking that, you know, he's, that he's got no chance yeah. of winning. He's a defender, uh, you know. but And he's up against Lionel Messi and, uh, and Ronaldo. But 
rightfully so. It's nice to see him win it. I can say that, even say that as a United fan, thoroughly deserved because it should be who makes the difference most to their team, and and, and he has. So yeah, he can't do any wrong at the moment, can he? Did you see Rio Ferdinand's point on it though about Ronaldo and Messi and how we almost sort of underest- underestimate what we've got at the moment and how lucky we are? Like Messi scored over fifty goals last season took Barcelona nearly to a Champions League final, won the Liga. Yeah. And it's, I think in 10 years time, we'll look back at it and look at those numbers. And I mean, like we do with Pele, I mean, some of his goals are dubious, but yeah. at least now we can <laughs> see all of Messi's goals. But yeah. I do think we underestimate how lucky we are right now living oh, yeah. in Messi and Ronaldo times. Yeah. Well, th- we're, we're coming to the end of that era, almost definitely. This this is possibly, I know we've, we've probably said it a few times, but possibly the last season, we're going to have both of them within the chance of winning the Champions League. Ronaldo's like a genetic freak though, isn't he? he just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I must just go home and rest in a cryo chamber and then yeah, just yeah. come out when he needs to play. I reckon people have said that for the last two seasons though. And said like, Oh, it might not be those two at the end of the at the end of the season or the end of the year and they just keep delivering. They, they keep each other going as well. Exactly. Yeah, so true. Exactly. You, you know what's you know what's scary for me is like you always have this nice thing in football where somebody's son comes and plays. We've seen it with Alex Bruce and Steve Bruce playing yeah. together. Obviously there's Alex and Darren Ferguson. Uh you've got Sean and, and Bradley Wright Phillips, yeah. uh obviously following the, the dad's footsteps. They're probably the most successful examples actually when you look at that of yeah. bit re- repeating the success. But can you imagine what Ronaldo's kids will be like if they go into football? <laughs> isn't, yeah. he, isn't he a goalie? I watched a documentary I'm with Ronaldo. I'm pretty sure he's a goalie, isn't yeah, he? And yeah, and he, he was, uh, Ronaldo's really disappointed because his son said he wanted to be a goalie. Yeah, but it's the correct decision. Yeah. Because if you if you play anyth- anything, if you play a fullback, you're going to say, oh, you're not as good as your dad. Yeah, that's true. But as a goalkeeper, you can't compare, so and, a great and decision. And you've got one of the best strikers of the ball to practice Yeah, because so. you can imagine you're just playing down the park with your dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. Suddenly, <laughs> yeah. is like the best training session, the best test of yeah, your, your ability. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing so um a, a friend of mine actually grew up with Ben Foster and right. he was he was friends with Ben Foster's older brother mm-hmm. and he reckons the reason why Ben Foster made it as a goalkeeper is because he was six years younger than his, his brother and his mum used uh, to yeah. his mum used to kick him out and say, look, look after your little brother and he was like, Oh, do I have to? He's like, You have to yeah. take him. So we take stick him down the park and stick him in goal. <laughs> and obviously, you know, six years between brothers is a lot of advancement. Yeah, yeah. And he just became very good at like Dealing with what for him was high speed, hard yeah, hit balls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Six years between me and my brother, and I just got a load of bruises on my arm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I feel like we should give out some kind of a helpline number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> so, do you, do you think this is going to be reflected? Now, can somebody explain to me the difference between like Thief Bro Player of oh. the Year and Ballon d'Or? <sighs> well, Ballon d'Or was endorsed by a French football magazine which was recognised by FIFA and now isn't because FIFA now want this because it became because it become the the award to win in in world football FIFA thought well actually let's do our own let's let's make some money out of this and let's give ourselves publicity rather than this this French football magazine and they still you still have the Ballon d'Or you still it's the, the award still exists but it's not as prestigious as now this FIFA best and FIFA Pro and all that. I think kind of Ballon d'Or just sounds so much better though. It if you does, say you've yeah, won yeah. the Ballon d'Or compared to FIFA Pro, I'm, I'm backing that all the way. Yeah, through. I mean, I'm 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 thinking like you know you, you just won the, like a video game tournament with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But mind you, having said that, that's probably more money than the Ballon d'Or these days, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Uh, speaking of more money, I'm going to talk to you about um, the first Manchester derby of the season taking place today at the Etihad, even though it's an international break, and that's because. 
It's the opening day of the Women's Super League and they've already sold 20,000 tickets for this, which is going to break records for women's competitive football in the UK. That's pretty impressive. And then tomorrow, they're expecting it to be broken again uh, because uh, the game at Stamford Bridge, uh, they're expecting 41,000 people. So is this the moment for women's football in the UK? Yeah, it's it's building on the back of the of, of the World Cup, and we saw a lot of we saw some big crowds in Spain as well. It's it's, it's not just in England. Uh, I think I think at the at the Wanda Atletico Madrid last year got something ridiculous like seventy thousand people um, for the for the women's final there, and so it's not just in England that it's taken off. And after the World Cup, people are people still want to watch it. We saw the viewing figures in the World Cup and the quality of the football because. So many female footballers now are professional and play for professional clubs who take it more seriously. It's not just about it's not just about the the quality of the individual players. It's that clubs are actually taking it seriously now and put proper time and effort into the coaching and the facilities. It's not that it's not kind of put on the back burner now. It's not just seen as that extra thing that club has. This, this is coming from a Man United fan who yeah. kind of did put that on the back burner. Yeah, but we've got one, they, now. Yeah, yeah, and, so we've got one now. Yeah, and they've come straight up. So yeah. fair play to them. Yeah, they put they put some resources in it. Um, they, actually, it's a, an unfamiliar feeling uh, as a, as a club in the fact that. United players um, that have that have got quite good have left and gone to bigger clubs because they're like, well, United aren't big enough for us. Start getting used <laughs> to it. <Yeah. laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, also as well, I, th- I think it is a very good time because uh, the USA winning has, has done wonders for the game yeah. in America. Although, just looking at some of the, the, the ticket sales they've had, they, they played a, a game recently, 45,000, uh, which uh, we could beat tomorrow yeah. in, in terms of that. To match up to the US because it's so big over there. Bigger, if arguably bigger than the, men, the men's game over there because the men's team are not very good at the moment. Yeah, the, obviously they've had that big uh, debate about getting equal pay and they've pointed yeah. out in terms of the success that they've had compared to the fact that the men's team have never even made a semi-final. Yeah, and they've also got, the, I don't know if you saw the story this week about uh, Carly Lloyd, one of the most famous female US players, NFL teams uh, trying to poach her to be their kicker. Really? Yeah. I, I wow. Don't, I, they're, they're trying to see if it's feasible kind of thing, but it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great story. That, that, would, that would be very interesting. And I remember there would always be a thing where you'd have some kind of, uh, you know, you'd always see like Joe Hart or David Beckham like trying out pre-season and doing some QB throwing or whatever yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and comparisons. But then there'd always be talk about some guy going over to, I think Beckham tried out to do the kicking thing as yeah, well, yeah. but I think it was just a PR stunt for <laughs> Harry Kane. Uh, wants to do Harry it. Kane wants to yeah. do. It. He's, re- he's really serious yeah, about it. He's as done well. a load of like sessions with like top NFL players apparently, and he, I mean, when he, he retires, it, yeah. he prefers it to football. He yeah, said. yeah. Is that because they've got more video refs there that can award him the calls? <laughs> 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 uh, so that's that. Um, we also we talked about the women's Super League. We talked about the internationals. Um, going back to the internationals, actually, there was some uh, lovely stories. Uh, rags to riches this week, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. And, and we're talking about the, the new people into the squad, talking about Mason Mount, Madison, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, but one big one is Tyro Mings. Now, I don't think I was on my own when I saw Aston Villa spend, I think it was £22.5 million in the summer on Tyro Mings and think that was a bit much for what essentially was Bournemouth's backup left back at the time. Granted, he's come on strides and he's played very well this season, played very well getting them into the Premier League. But his story came out th- this week where... He was he was playing non-league uh, part-time for Chippenham um, whilst working as a mortgage advisor and cold calling in a call centre. Right. And I think when you look at that story, going from where he was 
all the injuries he's had to deal with as well, coming through that and now he's about to possibly make his debut for England. I just find that absolutely fascinating. There's so many good stories. We've been chatting a lot sort of off air about it as well, haven't mm. we? I, I find that interesting about like having a, a Premier League footballer as a mortgage advisor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, like, yeah just have the money. <laughs> yeah. He's probably got more money now than yeah. all the people he spoke to on the phone, though. So, my, my friend who bought a house in Manchester recently was sold a house by Ian Dowie. I don't know if you what? know. What? Oh, yeah, no. he's big in the property scene. Yeah, he's big in the property scene. Yeah. And Has he was he like, he got there and he was like, <laughs> he, he thought like, that he'd been, he'd been set up. And I was like, who would set you up with Ian Dowie? Like, yeah, that, that's true. That's, that's that would be the most random setup. Well, ever, I, it? to be honest, I, I've, I've been looking looking for houses recently, and I keep seeing auction properties come up, and I'm tempted to go for one just in case Dion Dublin comes along <laughs> for homes under the hammer. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie Fowler's massive in it, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, as well? he owns half of Oldham, doesn't he? I think. But um, a great like sort of rags to rich story that I remember from years ago. Do do not ask me why I remember this this guy, but he was at. Um, his name's Andy Morell, right? So he he was at New he was at Newcastle Uni as a fitness instructor until he was like 24. He's Welsh, and he knew a Sky, uh, one for the older listeners or the, a, a Sky Sports presenter called Rob McCaffrey. Right. He used to we work on Granada as well in in, in the north. I remember like, Rob. Yeah. He always seemed to have like big shoulder pads yeah. on his suit. Yes, he did. He was <laughs> he was he was the Richard Keys jacket before Richard Keys kind of thing. And <laughs> less hairy though. Yes, hairy, less hairy hands. Yeah, and he um, he they knew each other, and he helped him get a contact. And Wrexham at the time were really really short of players, and Rob McCaffrey got Andy Morell a, a trial because he scored quite a lot of goals like in like Sunday League football in Newcastle. And Ian Rush is the manager and uh, at Wrexham, and he was like, yeah, you can score a few goals. Let's get him in. They had a massive injury crisis, so he played. That season at Wrexham, he, he was the top goal scorer in, the, in the, all four divisions in England. Oh, my God. Uh, out, out of nowhere. Like he, he was a fitness instructor, and then bang, he was a top goal scorer in all four divisions. That's probably what helped him back then, wasn't he? He's probably the only one who was actually doing yeah, fitness. fitness. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And then he got, then he he got a move to Coventry, and then he got a move to Black, Blackpool, where they're in the championship, and he scored about twenty goals in the championship, wow. and then he it's, sort of disappeared. So uh, good. Maybe it was a fitness thing. It'd be interesting to go back and look at the stats and see like all these goals came in the last ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else is knackered. He's like, I told yeah. you these rope things were doing the trick for me. <laughs> Do you have a fam- favourite regs to which you still Well, I don't think I can top that one, but that was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> but um, when I used to work at another station and we did a lot of work with uh, on Ricky Lambert when the story broke over him. And I had to do a, a one-pager on him and all his research. And he used to actually work at a beetroot factory which I then found what? out is uh, aphrodisiac as well. So if you what want to work? take that into your wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I, I'm, sure, I'm sure if I met someone, right, I went on a date and I told them I worked in a beetroot factor, yeah. factory, they wouldn't find that an aphrodisiac. No, but the, the, the actual beetroot. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, okay. That's fine. Well, maybe it's both. But <laughs> not try not the beetroot factory. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to update my Tinder profile now. <laughs> no, yeah, apparently beetroot's the one. But obviously then scoring all the goals at Southampton, I think the, the cherry on the top for that one was obviously he was a massive Liverpool fan and then he, he got his dream moved to the club, albeit not the most successful stim. But and was um, it what, one goal for England he got? One goal, yeah, on his debut, wasn't it? Yeah, Headed from yeah. a corner straight on. I, to be honest, I, I would have just retired at that moment. Yeah. I would have just gone, right, that's it. Okay. Straight down the tunnel. Yeah, and then just done B-Troop promotions for the rest of my life. Uh, my my favourite one was uh, from Nick Pope when he got called up uh, last, was it last year, the year before he got called up? Yeah. Uh, he, he, and obviously he's, he's had a bit of an injury played time since last season but he was I think Bury St Edmunds when he was 16 and he was just doing again a bit of extra money and I really like this I really like this story about footballers because a lot of the time we just go 
I mean, I've even done it today when we're talking about the mortgage. They've got loads of money. Just give me the money. Mm. But it's nice to see them w- with that work ethic and having that work ethic. And I think they still maintain that. So when he was 16, uh, as a, I'm not sure what they would have called it then, would it be an apprentice or a... Trainee. Trainee. Um, he was working on a milk float. And this came oh, out fantastic. when they were doing the interviews. And um, I, I just did a bit of maths. And I'm quite pleased with myself. <laughs> so, um, so he was working on a milk float. Now, I did some milk deliveries when I was younger as well. Nice. Only, only only once or twice. It wasn't a proper job. This because... is a rag story. <laughs> <story, isn't it? laughs> and now I'm on a podcast. Uh, so uh, one of my best mates, his mum and dad owned a corner shop. And so occasionally we would get involved and we knew everybody. And he would sometimes work with um, his, his mate's dad, who was a milkman. And just, I don't know why, one day I agreed to get up at four and do it with him. Anyway, I worked out like how many, um, how much I got paid then and how many bottles of milk we delivered on that one day that I did it. And so I did a quick calculation with what Nick Pope owns today, and if we were to get him back to do a milk run, how much it would cost. So how much do you think <laughs> it would cost to have Nick Pope deliver your milk? Oh, oh my God. Dom, you, you uh, look like a numbers man. I mean, what would, I mean, what would, you, what would you pay for that? Maths, I, just, uh... I mean, what would, what would you think was good value for having a Premier League footballer, an England international, come and deliver you a fresh pint of semi-skimmed or whatever you're into? I'd go... £130. £130. This is like the price I wouldn't is actually right. pay that, though. I don't, <laughs> don't know why I said it. <laughs> Depending on the footballer, yeah. I, I'd pay yeah, £200. If David Beckham like, pinged the glass of milk, like, the thing of milk at my door, I'd probably pay more. Yeah, if Peter Schmeichel threw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One arm. I'm just, I'm just thinking this is going to call for a complete redesign of the packaging as well because it's either going to smash or crumple when Bubble it hits it. Yeah. Okay, good plan. <laughs> Will? Uh, I'll go 175. 175? Hold on, because I won that auction doesn't mean I have to... (laughs) (laughs) It's not highest bidder wins, is it? No, but I'm going to take all this with me when I go on Dragon's Den tomorrow. (laughs) Here's my figures and projections. I actually worked out. um, So I reckon you you deliver about 200 pints of milk in in, in your milk (laughs) round. And Nick Pope's on 1.8 million... Um, a year. That's the, right. the estimates. Um, so that works out to about £5,000 a day. Right. Uh, right. So you'd have to pay him a day rate because you're getting him up early in the Just morning. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So, On sociable hours as well. Yeah. So basically, it's costing him, like, effectively, it £25 per carton of milk he delivers. Um, but then obviously you've got the other milk on top. But I'd make a nice tidy profit off all of you yeah, with this. Oh, nice. I'm so, well overpaid, yeah. Though, yeah. Don't I? Well, yeah. This, this 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 is the thing. So I think I think we could do very well with that. Any <laughs> safe hands as well, so you know yeah. none of those bottles are being <laughs> none smashed. Of them are getting smashed. No. Yeah, <laughs> which is why Joe Hart didn't get the job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's it for today. Thank you very much. Um, next week uh, we'll be back to normal, and we will get to do a proper Premier League mm. preview. Uh, because the Premier League will be back. Is it too early to draw assumptions from how things are looking? What do you reckon, Pete? I, I think, as a, as a, speaking from a fan's point of view, and I, I speak for a lot of United fans here, in the, the it's, it's a very like worrying time at the moment because you, it was not not the great, it's not the worst start to the season in the world. But um, this in, in, at first international break is a time to sort of reflect and look at like you know you can you can the transfer windows close the European transfer windows close you can see what's left after it and there isn't there isn't a great deal the, the room's not very full at, at United there's a there's a squad of about seventeen I think that, that that could actually play in the first team 
So there's a lot. Uh, of... it's, I think it's debatable how many of them can actually play. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Technically, senior players will will call them that, could, and one of them is 17 year old Mason Greenwood. So there's there's not a great deal out there. And I, and I did I did at the start of the season get uh, from a, a neutral point of view a little bit excited because I thought you know Tottenham was spending 65 million pound on attacking players, Arsenal was spending 70 million on Nicolas Pepe, and you thought right, somebody's got to challenge City, Liverpool, stranglehold on the Premier League, and those two are even, if anything, are even better at the start of this this season. And it just looks like it's going to be exactly the same again. Do you think the fact that we would usually have the transfer window closing around this time has had an impact, has had an effect? Do you think it's an experiment that's worked? I, I don't. I don't think so. To be, honest. I don't think for the big dogs anyway, like in the league, like the Cities and the Liverpools, because people aren't going to come in and poach their signings after the no. window with the European window closing later. I think they've all just adapted. They know when they have to get their business done by. And City are traditionally quite good at getting their mm. business done very early and knowing ex- exactly what they want and getting what they want. So I, I like it to be done before the football starts. Yeah. I, I kind of like that. But the the problem is, and Jurgen Klopp brought it up, is it's they. So the Premier League moved it, brought it forward. So it was the start of the season. They expected other European leagues to follow suit, and they haven't. Mm. That's so issue, you've got that you've got that gap of what two weeks between mm. the transfer window. So you know you you think you've got your squad sorted, and then your your chairman comes in and goes, "Sorry, we've just sold uh, your defender that you were going to play at the weekend yeah. to mm. an to a Serie A club." Are you a fan, Will? I, I mean, I am for the same reasons that that you detail, but I think just because money talks, I think that will be back to normal probably next season. I think they've already had crisis meetings on it already, the chairman. So I think it'll be back to the back to the end of the month, which is a shame. But then if you if you're in a an elite club and the likes of Christian Eriksen, I mean, he's hardly featured. Well, he has featured, but obviously rumours have got on his head. So yeah, I think it'll go back to normal sadly. And I think that's a good point for us to wrap up. Let me remind you that if you do have an Alexa device, you can enable the sports social skill and get daily updates uh, for your team specifically, as well as this podcast, which kind of covers a little bit of everything. Uh, Will, Pete, Dom, thanks very much for helping me out. Cheers. 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 Just leaves me to say thank you very much for taking the time to listen to, to download this episode of the Football Social Daily. As the name suggests, there's a new episode every day. So uh, just click subscribe and it'll pop up wherever you get your podcasts. And in that same place, please leave us a nice review. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.